0: We're on a mission to set our own traditions here at Accounting High, and we need your help and feedback to do it. If you have a few minutes to spare, we would so appreciate it if you took our listener survey linked in the show notes of this episode. Boom.
1: We might call this episode Ed Sullivan Show because Ted and Ed, same name.
2: The certificate does say Edward on it.
1: His birth certificate and his CPA certificate. Both certificates say Edward. (laughs) Accurate. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, live from New York, the Ed Sullivan Show.
3: And now, here he is, Ed Sullivan. We have to start by telling what Scott did at the golf course when we played like it, he had forgotten that we were supposed to. No, be playing golf. but then he got no, but then he got to the first tee, and and the starter comes up and he's like, "One of you hasn't paid." I got paid. a par
1: on the first hole.
3: the The starter comes up and says, "One of you hasn't paid." <laughs> oh yes, and and Scott said, "Oh, I have to pay." Yeah, I thought Jason paid for me. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not f-ing paying for you. And then he said, "Are you gonna make me go to the car and get my wallet?" <laughs> you
1: invited me out to Southern Pines I mean, okay, I, thought, okay, I okay, thought you were okay, paying okay. too I wasn't going to pay okay.
3: Anyway, that's Scott for us I think that's I tell that story to everybody Because that's like the most baller thing Are you going to make me walk back to my car And get my wallet? Like he left his wallet in his car Did you even leave your wallet in your car? Or were you just saying that?
1: No, I always leave my wallet in my car Anywhere I go, I can pay with my watch And I don't even need my phone to pay with my watch I'll be honest. After you gave me your card and I went in there, I saw they did take Apple Pay, but I still paid with your card. So thanks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) May I have your attention, please? May I have your attention, please? Greetings, students. Alex Miles here, your friendly front office lady here at Accounting High, and these are your morning announcements. Scott and Jason are joined by Teddy Sullivan in today's episode to discuss his journey with purchasing a firm, his advice to those looking to purchase a firm or possibly expand their firms, and why exactly Scott believes that the pain of change is greater than the pain of the present. Are you interested in finding a pricing and proposal software built exclusively for accounting professionals? Well, you're in luck as we have a special shout out to an app we think you'll love. So now I think it's time to sit back, relax, and open your mind because class is in session. I repeat, may I have your attention please? This is
3: another public service announcement brought to you in part by Accounting High. The views
1: and events expressed here are of the next generation of accounting and tech professionals leading this space. The events and suggestions are not to be taken lightly. Children should not partake in the listening of this podcast. Anything else?
0: Yeah. So without further ado, introducing the star of our show.
1: Scott Scarano and Jason Ackerman.
0: We're going to have a problem here.
3: Teddy, 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 Teddy. You're with our guests. You have him hostage in your in your live
1: room. in my basement. Yeah,
3: I'm trapped. Teddy, welcome. Thank you. So I feel like yeah, you're accurate, we're like so far away from the Ed Sullivan show that it probably like you don't get a lot of comments. Like they have to be a, a certain demographic to say. Oh, Ed I rarely Sullivan. go.
2: I rarely go by Edward as well. I'm almost always Ted or Teddy. So yeah. People don't always make that connection that my name is Edward unless they're collecting (laughs) payment with a credit card or (laughs) collecting payment with a credit card. There we go. So which I I use a lot of credit cards over Apple Pay, but
3: I use my phone too. I like using the phone; it's convenient. So, Teddy has a very unique story because he worked for Zero. He was Zero alumni. There's a lot of Zero alumni. You were an account rep.
2: What was your title? I did a lot of things at Zero. I I started as a PC and I left as a a director of sales. So in, in between, I was a senior account manager. So uh, so yeah, did did a couple of different things.
3: And then you, you decided, you decided that you wanted to then buy an accounting firm and do the actual accounting work. It it seemed like I
2: I could do that. I met enough accountants and uh, saw enough accounting firms and how they were run. Learned learned about their. Uh, their dirty laundry and and how how tough the transition could be to the cloud and yeah I just saw opportunity.
1: So the trend typically is accounting firm owner sell accounting firm go work for an app go work for zero go work for somebody else you took the opposite route that I think that it's it's a natural progression for anybody to want to see both sides if they are a fan of the profession you seem to be a fan of this profession that we are in. Is that correct? I
2: think that's fair. Is, is your firm for sale, Scott?
1: It is. <laughs> Absolutely for sale. Absolutely. It's always for sale. Let's it's, not, the the it, it's not like, it's not like it's Let's if, do if a you're offering your the right price. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> I got a good firm. I got a pretty good cash machine now. I, I was listening to our latest episode we just released today, and my margins were pretty poor last year, but that's also because half the year, Things changed, and um, we're sitting pretty right now. We're things are going pretty well right now. So,
3: so what and I'm hearing it. is when we play golf in Nevada, you're gonna pay for me. You need actually a, you need Nicole a paid
1: for me to play golf this time. <laughs> I'm just there for the entertainment and the company, man. I'm not like a professional golfer like Teddy here. We could we could get into that too, but I want to set the stage here. Teddy, you were originally from where?
2: Uh, Boston or south of Boston, Duxbury, Massachusetts.
1: Boston. What got you into accounting in the first place? Like what got you into the zero world?
2: Those are two very different answers. What got me into accounting was I didn't wanna sell printers. And then, so I decided to go to graduate school at Northeastern and that got me into the accounting world. And uh, I was always good at math. So accounting seemed logical. Someone convinced me it wasn't just, you know, pushing, pushing paper. Bean counting, there was some interaction and some fun client interaction if you were to put yourself in the right position. So I did that and decided but but what got me into a zero was deciding to get out of accounting and auditing and then full circle, four years and a half years later I'm back in the profession. Fun funny how that works out.
1: And in those years, you like did you always think one day you'll get your CPA?
2: I probably didn't until I bought the firm. Um, but once I got the firm, I realized I knew credibility-wise it would help. And so I had already had the experience from my previous time at Deloitte in Boston. And so, yeah, I've got signatures from some former co-workers in Boston on my, my character certificate.
1: <laughs> so but. so that's – a. I mean, you, you put an aside there. Like, you thought it would be for credibility. Mm-hmm. I think – Obviously, it's always been C- getting your CPA is a choice, but it's a choice that some people may not even need to make in the profession. I mean, it's the I'm still questioning it because honestly, I don't have my license and I'm trying to figure out what's the difference, right? Like, should I think about getting it one day? I mean, I'm a- approaching middle age. If I'm going to ever do it, I should do it. Are you having in a middle-life right? crisis? Oh, God. I've-, I've had a quarter-life crisis. I've had semi-annual life crises. I'm uh, I'm not in a crisis right now. I'm kind of content, but that's not to say next month I won't be having another crisis. I don't know. Like what is what's the so is it for validation? Was it for your own self? It's for my mom. <laughs> All right. That's enough right there, right?
3: There like, still comes a point Sometimes we just want
1: to please our parents.
2: There comes a I'm po- not even joking. That's definitely part of it.
3: But there's there comes a point when you when you get to a certain level where you need something, that a CPA is still very valuable? You know,
2: another reason I got it, as I went through the firm buying process, it really limited the firms, I had an opportunity to even look at their numbers to potentially buy them. So I I went through brokers and looked through a lot of different opportunities before buying the firm that I did, but I wasn't even able to talk to a lot of them because I wasn't a CPA. And so I wanted to make sure that that was different if I ever went through that process again in the future.
3: So I'm interested, talk about, so you you decide, hey, I want to buy a firm. Talk about the process of how you went about buying the firm, what you were looking at as far as the type of firm that you wanted to buy.
2: There were a couple of metrics that were really important to me. One was percentage of revenue going to the owner. That was the number one metric i cared about if that was north of 50 percent even if the owner was doing a lot of the work then that was something that i was excited about and then the second thing i was looking at really closely was i wanted to make sure there was a large percentage of bookkeeping revenue so bookkeeping revenue i wanted to be more than 50 percent of the income and a lot of the listings that percentage is really high on the tax side and i didn't like that because that's hard to sustain throughout the all 12 months so those are the two metrics i was most concerned about and then location location was less of a concern but i yeah i figured it out and it worked out here in raleigh right next to my friend scott so uh hung out with him <laughs> in my early days here he Serendipitous.
1: actually gifted
3: me a uh a book case. so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so how gave
1: my, him a bookcase as a welcome gift how
3: many firms did you go did you look at their numbers before you found this one in raleigh that you ended up buying They're willing to give up the numbers
2: pretty easy. I probably looked at the numbers of 20, 25 firms. I probably, I spoke to two, maybe three different firm owners. So you can get the numbers and then if you like them, you can then follow back up. So yeah, probably 20,
3: 25. So when you were talking to these firms, what were you kind of looking at as you talked with them?
2: Do I trust this person? Cause if I don't, then the numbers don't matter. I need to run away. That's the first thing I'm trying to figure out when I meet someone like that. Then do I do I like them? Because you're gonna have to spend a lot of time with this person and and yeah, trust them through a transition process where they could kind of screw you or make your life easier. So if and if they care about their clients and their employees, then that's obviously a really good thing too. So those are kind of the things that I'm trying to gauge as I go through
1: it. But so you said location doesn't matter. Yet, you moved from Canada to Raleigh, North Carolina after buying this firm here. So did you, did you always intend to buy a firm and move wherever it was? Were you looking across the country?
2: I had aspirations and still do of having a totally remote firm or the opportunity where some employees can be totally remote. So I saw it as I would need to potentially live there for a period of time to build trust with employees and and establish that process and culture. But
1: that was my plan and a little a little
2: harder in execution than in plan, but that was my plan.
1: What's hotter than a million dollar cloud firm right now? I mean, are there many remote only firms that are that are for sale when you were looking?
2: Very few. Usually one or two in North America and for context there's probably a thousand firms for sale at any given moment. So, yeah, very very few are fully remote. A lot have some remote employees, but very few are fully remote. Did you look at any of the ones that were remote? Those one or two? I spoke to a broker about one, but the firm owner wouldn't take a meeting with me. I tried to get a meeting. That's the other thing that happens. You'll you'll say, "Hey, I want to talk to this person." they're already talking to two or three people. So the broker is like, yeah, we're not going to have them talk to more than that many people at any given moment. And if one of those turns into an offer, then you don't, you don't get in, but okay. All right.
1: So that, that's, that part's interesting to me because, you know, again, you're, when you're buying a firm and it is highly localized, I don't know the right phrase or term there, but if it's, if all of their clients are local, if a lot of the interactions they have with clients tend to be still somewhat face-to-face, you know, that's a pretty big hill to climb post-acquisition to get them remote. Are you doing that with the firm you've purchased? I'm working hard to establish processes to
2: make that easier. I'm not, I'm not beating it with a sledgehammer, you could say. I'm trying to nudge it and... A lot of people are happy for some of those changes, and a few people aren't so so yes, but not 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 a hundred percent is my answer
3: I think it's hard to buy a completely remote firm because then you're it's hard to manage like if you're brand new and there's people all over the country that could potentially be harder to manage than if you have everyone in one office to start. I think it would be easier to do that and make them remote than start fully remote and try and change cultures and stuff because You never see them,
1: my two cents. So, well, no, no, that's a good point. It's a really good point, because if you're looking at it from an acquisition point of where you want to acquire talent and the employees of a firm, then yeah, that's probably great to have them all centrally located. But for clients, honestly, you're much better off if it's a client acquisition and a revenue acquisition, then your clients could be anywhere and that might be better. You know, it's not like you're going to corral all your clients in one place. You definitely don't want them all in one room at one time.
3: Yeah. So I think the client, like, more and more client meetings are going virtual, even if they're local.
1: So Right, uh, but changing the client's mindsets on you have an office, you don't have an office, I've been through that in the past I, don't year. Know, I think it's and
3: much easier to change the mindset of the employees than the clients. I tend to think that over time. I think the employees think that, the client they, they use the client as a reason why they can't change the client will never want that but really it's they don't want it i think well. the clients especially if it's post-covid like they get it like so many people get COVID all the time now it's like hey i have COVID. we got to move this meeting remotely i think just i think it, i think it's got it used to be a lot like that but i think it's changed post-covid Unless you just have, unless your demographic is just really, really old people that you do tax returns for, that don't have computers. But that's just. So Are you very saying rare. that it's more
1: desirable to purchase one of the 998? I'm not necessarily for saying sale, that. Or the two.
3: I'm saying if you if you were like Teddy, and you're going, you don't you you don't have a firm. You want to buy a firm. I think it would be very hard to buy a remote firm. I think the way he did it was good. I think if you were a firm that was already remote, like you, if you were going to buy a firm now, buying a remote firm makes total sense for you because you already have the processes in place and know what you're doing and you can bring people into something. But if Teddy were to step into a fully remote thing, that could be difficult.
1: It could work. Well, he's now, it, he stepped into a fully localized one and now he's, it's proving that processes are difficult to create. So somebody may have already had all the processes in place to manage. Well, Teddy, remote.
3: what do you think?
2: I think Scott's firm be, has a head of operations. It'd be easier to get his firm because that person, but that person would be really key. A firm my size doesn't have that role, and so it would be. Yeah, so you were I, looking I, to I was, buy I like, was lucky. like? I I got a mentor, but the, the old firm owner was is a mentor to me so i i that was a big part of my success or why why it's gone well so she's been that's part of and again i i don't i didn't necessarily know that i was seeking that out but it kind of worked out that way and i'm really grateful so that's part and of it when too, so. you were looking to yeah. buy a
3: firm you're looking to buy like a couple did you have a uh, employee range of what you were looking for revenue i had
2: an idea i wanted it to be you know north of 300 grand in revenue something like that, but I But,
3: but you I was, wanted a small firm then. So you wanted like Yeah. a $300,000 firm's going
2: to
1: be one 300, or two 300 to
2: 800, 300 800. Yeah, 2 to 7 employees. There's six employees in my firm, but it's it's
1: yeah. Let's talk let's talk numbers then. You've been doing this a year now, right? You purchased the firm. Mm-hmm. Well, when did you purchase again? December 2020. December 2020. All right. So, very unique year during, you know, a, a Pretty big upheaval of the world, we're in the middle of COVID. I think we're kind of on the other side of that now. We're getting to be on the other side of that. How would you say the first year went?
2: I think it went really well. The employees on the team, we have a great team, so that that's really helped us succeed through the first year and going through the transition of the uh, the old owner. My, you know, like I mentioned, my mentor Lori. She's working a little bit less as she's, uh, you know, trying to continue to lean like she was very central to the firm's success in the past so she's like it's been great to keep her on the team through in, through a second year here and just, we're lucky to have her still involved so I, I think it's gone really really well excited to hire another person we're we're growing but but it's it's definitely
1: harder than
2: Harder to create and execute on change, maybe than than I than I talked about when I was selling to accounts. You
1: talked a big
3: talk. (laughs) That's that's a really good point. Like it's it's not easy to change. It's really not. So how did
1: theoretically it all seems easy when you're selling it on somebody and you've seen one person do it? Then it's like this is a model that anybody can do because I know of these two firms that did it. But then there's that 998 other firms that haven't done it. I will say that as I acknowledged that it wasn't going to be
2: easy when I was talking to firm owners bef- when, when I was selling zero. So I did know it wasn't going to be easy, but I definitely didn't feel their pain
1: until the last
2: <laughs> year and a half. We'll say that. Yeah.
3: So It'll teach you some empathy. So when you went, you, you decide you reach an agreement with Lori to buy the firm and she announces it to the team, like how did they take it?
2: One employee cried. <laughs> there's a lot of emotion. Everybody's yeah. nervous and scared that their job's going to get disrupted or that the new owner will, won't be nice or won't treat them with respect. So there's definitely risk. Everyone's afraid. Change. So Change. So everyone's, what'd you do? Everyone's
3: afraid day one. What'd you do to like calm their fears?
2: They went out to lunch with Lori and then I came back and met them at the office in the afternoon and just met them that first day and... It was right before Christmas. So it was the week before Christmas in 2020. And yeah, I met them and Lori assured them that all of their jobs were safe and that they were going to, that she was going to continue working on the new team. And and yeah, she worked very, very just like a normal busy season, we we headed into tax season, and and that was the plan all along. Though we're gonna execute the deal right now, and I'm gonna work tax season, just like I still own the place, and then I'm gonna start phasing out and, and trying to work less and less as time goes. But on.
3: But what what's something concrete that you told the employees like, other than you just were there like, what how'd you gain their trust? The best way to show that you give a
2: is to give a. So I guess the truth is I took I I made a point to go out onto to one to one lunch with everyone on the team to try to get mm-hmm. to know them a little bit better and better understand them away from work and also yeah just learn I, I didn't I didn't necessarily try to institute too much change in my first three months six months at all almost no change just trying to observe and learn so I think that was probably pretty key that I didn't come in and try to make a bunch of changes right away I think that that helped reassure them that I wasn't. That I wasn't there just to, to you know, I, they, they knew I worked for zero, so they were probably afraid that I would come in and say, hey, we're going to work, put everyone on zero. And that would have probably been a tough pill to swallow if I had tried to pull that off before I had built the trust
1: within the group. So- Actions speak louder than words. You're not going to give a speech and then change everything. It's always going to be what you, act, what are you doing? Yeah,
3: there's nothing I said. It takes time. That's, that's, that's my answer. So what's after you, this initial phase, like what was what's the first thing that you changed within the firm? The one thing I did
2: change really fast was the way we collected money was almost all checks. So I immediately set up a, a Stripe account and got us collecting payment through online invoicing and uh, i also set up go cardless and set us up to start getting paid through automatic transfers just again i the, the amount of checks that were coming
1: in was was overwhelming well that's an important way to start because the traditional accountant cpa or firm owner doesn't want the fees so yeah they're so scared of, of the fees yeah <laughs> we don't want to cut into our but, margins but yet we we'll do have, all these other things
3: yeah but they have a a, a AR, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars of AR. But they yeah. don't they don't want to... And they spend time collecting the AR, but they don't want to pay fees. That never made sense to me.
1: Well, there's a balance. Cash is king, but also... But you, you know, have to you have, have the cash. up front.
3: <laughs> you have to have <laughs> right. the cash for it to be right. king.
1: So, uh, well, I'm, when I say cash is king, it's like not allowing credit cards is something that... Gosh, when I see the difference on, on like, you know the ones oh, the we, we that pay we pay like
3: $100,000 in credit card fees a year. Well, and yeah.
2: I much prefer go cardless the fees are lower than stripe, right? So to me i would much rather the ACH transfer, all as long as it's set up going to yeah. happen.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's got to be set up up front and that's that but it's just a good thing to get over cuz I'm not saying that I'm I I'm definitely it, it took me longer to get away from no credit cards. I mean, we we would do credit cards in certain instances, but yeah, it's just a, you know, that's one of the biggest differences because that's an immediate cut in your margin before yeah. anything happens. Just
3: add 5% to every bill, and then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. I think it's like yeah. you can pay with credit card everything else in your life. Like, I don't think it's good customer service to not accept it. Like, it's just raise your fees.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there, Ackerman. That's the one thing I'll agree with you on in this whole year.
3: <laughs>
2: and you can, you can even charge your customers 3% fee if they want to use it. That's the other thing. It used know. to be
1: illegal in North Carolina. You used to not be able to do that. North Carolina, until North Carolina started collecting it at the, at the Secretary of State level, they had a little stipulation in there to say you cannot charge a fee for a certain payment. And then they started charging the fee. So. <laughs>
2: I do lose a few pennies because cause Stripe charges slightly more than three percent, but I, I I get customers three. That's interesting though. I'm glad I'm not breaking the law. Thank you for teaching me something today, Scott. Yeah,
1: well, it's it's, it's all in the no, it's all in the and how you phrase it. It's a you know a convenience fee, or you know you just can't call it a credit. I don't know. A, there's something that you can't do. You're fine. Whatever. You're fine, I mean, Teddy.
3: You're fine. You're good. You're not going to jail. North job day, Carolina's daddy. got
1: some got got some tricky laws when it comes to bathrooms and names on your firm and all kinds of crazy things but hey
3: so take no but let's go back to the changes so you implement online payments what's the next thing you did big change
1: he's on quickbooks desktop he's not there's, there's no big changes happening yet he's how are you still using you're not using zero?
2: well for my books i'm on zero yeah
1: so how many clients do you have on the cloud right now percentage wise
2: Percentage wise, we'll call it
1: nine percent. Yeah. This is this is real. This is real life, man. We're we're in a bubble. We're in the cloud bubble, Ackerman. This is And
3: I want it to happen. So what's preventing your you from changing them over to put Online or zero?
2: The team isn't confident and comfortable using it, and I'm gonna create a situation where I'm gonna have a ton of frustration and a lot of things on my plate if I was to make that
1: executive command. The pain of change is greater than the pain of the present. Because there is no pain in the present for you.
3: <laughs> this is like say, Nostradamus. Say that, say that the again. Pain light, I love change,
1: it. The pain of change is greater than the pain of the present because you don't have too many pains in the present right now. QuickBooks desktop works. Your team likes it. You're making money on it why change
2: yes that is all accurate
1: you know the the so the why why
2: do you want backups to so why and, do you want and, to change i think it will create opportunities for us to work with bigger clients and create opportunities for us to be able to handle larger d- data sets and people who have more transactions and help help me pay employees more money
3: by being able to make more money from clients that's why so what's what's your plan? Like, do you have a plan to move, to slowly move these over? Like, what's the thinking? Yes.
2: And I, I, this year I will, everyone's going to have three or five clients on zero. And from there, I'm hopeful that somebody takes a liking and starts to grow into that. We are also going to have a, an intern this summer. So that's exciting. And that person's going to potentially be working on some side projects with regards to conversions and helping us get through some of that stuff. So, yeah. that's We do have a plan to, to start to execute on that. Last year, the firm owner uh, was still here. We we're going through a ton of change, and I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable necessarily pushing that change just because there was severe resistance, especially from the old firm owner, but she's a little more removed from things now, so I think that there's more of an opportunity to, to yeah, just make sure yeah. I approach it tactfully, but, but I'm going to I'm You gonna have a it.
3: plan. It's a multi-year plan. I think that's smart. I think a lot of times new owners, they come in and they're like, I want to change everything like right now. And that's not, it's normally not the best thing to do unless you just want to fire everyone or unless you want everyone to quit and just have, just start all over. You're going to lose at least one great employee. Exactly right. And, and those people can and will
2: learn it if you're give them a little bit of A little bit of rope, but then at some point we'll push a little harder. But I want to be smart about it, and I think that doing it last year wouldn't have been smart.
1: You can, you know, well, you can't really force change upon people. So,
3: well, you can. There's, but it's just he—he could go in. Really, he could have gone in and been like, "Hey, we're converting everyone to zero. Like, deal with it." The old owner would have would (laughs) have quit.
1: So, what about new clients? Somebody comes to you, and they're on QuickBooks Desktop. Have you converted anybody new, or have you taken on any clients that are on the cloud?
2: We have. We've taken on a few, a few of our newer clients have been open to that, and a few clients that we work with in Massachusetts have been open to that. So yeah, with newer clients, it's much easier. It's, and also existing clients, we have total control over a lot of them, so we'll be able to switch some of them. We're going to target clients who we don't do payroll for first, and then
3: build from there. Yeah, if you're doing all the books internally like it's really easy to change cuz they're the client's not touching anything. So, that's an easy conversion
2: to deal. 90% of our clients were doing everything. So, if we wanted to to move everybody, it it could happen pretty quickly. Yeah. So, it'll just so. take
3: time. You just have to get buy, you have to get that buy-in from that main first person and then they'll start telling everyone else, "Look how it's saving me so much time." It's just going to take a little time. It'll take a few years, but it'll be worth it exactly. at the end. Exactly. May I have your attention,
4: please? Is that Nicole? Hey, Scotty.
1: we got a caller on the line, Miss Nicole McKenzie of Momentum Accounting, and she's going to talk to us about GoProposal, a product she's been using for several years now.
4: Yes, I love GoProposal it changed my life
1: it will change your life because literally you're going to make more money price consistently and end scope creep go proposal is the only pricing and proposal software exclusively for accountants and cpas
4: there's tons of proposal softwares out there, but it's actually a pricing tool. You can price based on a client's revenue range or the number of bank accounts, the number of employees. Since we brought on GoProposal, I've been able to delegate sales to someone else on my team. It's really easy to put a together proposal in like five minutes.
1: They say on average, members experience 33% increase in profits by using their pricing tool. Nicole, did you increase your profits after you started using GoProposal?
4: Absolutely. So the biggest thing is scope creep before go proposal. A lot of times it was a handshake deal. It'd be a fixed fee but what was included in that was pretty unclear. GoProposal gave us a very good foundation in terms of what the actual scope is. If a client requests something out of scope, we can come back and give them a price for that extra project, so we're not giving away free work. It makes repricing so much easier because you just go back, change everything based on the current number of transactions, current number of employees, because their volume's probably changed over time, and then it spits out a new number. So it's like really easy to show, here's where you were when we started, Here's where you are today.
1: It's that roadmap and a way to anticipate different services that you're gonna add on. Consistency in pricing is so important, especially professional services.
4: You're not actually negotiating on the price, you're negotiating on the services. You just reduce the scope and then it can align with their budget. You can still value price, but at least you have the base scope. And then if you wanna move it up or down, depending on how price sensitive that you think that prospect is,
1: James Ashford was a magician before <laughs> he was a software developer. and <laughs> He really was. The sales process is very much a magic trick sometimes. And if you could really wow them and give some showmanship with the proposal, they're more apt to pay more money. You're going to have higher profits. Go check out GoProposal. Price consistently, sell more confidently, and minimize risk with the client engagement software that enables your accounting business to grow even more profitably. GoProposal by Sage. Check it out. GoProposal.com. Thanks, Nicole.
4: Thanks, Scott. This is fun.
1: Go Proposal Powered by Sage. So let's go back to mindset shifts. Pre-CPA, Teddy was already ready to do another acquisition. Before the first year was even over, you were pretty deep into, I'm going to acquire this firm. And then if it wasn't that one, I'm going to acquire this one. And I'm going to, you know, you were very, very hungry. You were anxious to change things. I'm going to buy all the clients scanners. I'm going to do all of this. You were like, I was, it was inspirational for me to hear all of this talk. I was, you were convincing me that uh, like, this was the way and um, what the happened to you, man? Like it's, I think it immediately when you got your CPA, you went from a CEO to a CPA and I'm not saying that in a bad way or a good way, but it's almost like you got more realistic you got more grounded the second you got the license, and it might not have even been that. It could have been something totally different and I'm just drawing conclusions, but
2: I'm gonna speak very vaguely about the two opportunities Scott's talking about since I have signed non disclosure agreements. Is and one of them Scott's wait- firm? one of them uh, may or may not have been within scott's network and one of them was not in scott's network.
1: it was a pageant firm that he decided not to buy but that i don't think that's the point it wasn't the point of buying a pageant firm or whatever firm you wanted to buy because you haven't made another acquisition but you did go pretty deep in that I process got, i got
2: really deep with a different firm and it almost happened but didn't but that was a decision by the other side so oh, interesting
1: okay so that
2: being said i'm pretty grateful i think that that there's, this tax season would have been wild if I had a second firm on my plate. And I think I'm grateful that it didn't happen, but everything happens for a reason. I learned a ton going through the process a few more times and, and that hopefully does eventually happen. But I was excited to, to learn more and, and yeah, meet some smart people and, and see how they ran their firm. One of my favorite parts of going through the process, even in the failed attempts was just learning about how other firms go about their business and, and it's fascinating to see the different ways people package up and sell similar services, whether it's bookkeeping or compilation agreements or engagements and stuff like that. So just write right up, write up,
1: cash, bookkeeping, six accounting names for the same thing. And yeah,
2: you can charge different prices
3: if you sell it differently. So that's
1: that's, yeah, that's, that's all in the packaging so It's all in the So, What are you most
3: excited about about your firm going forward?
1: Using more
2: zero with clients truthfully, and I don't want to be too big of a zero homer, but that's the truth.
1: so you know it's to I, me, like I, I have a loyalty to zero they They've imprinted on me I, I love everything about zero. Uh, but then again, you have QuickBooks desktop. wouldn't it be easier to take more QuickBooks clients on? Most people know what QuickBooks is like what's the you know what's the um, draw to zero for you? This distinction I guess this comment was brought to you by zero
2: I am resentful of <laughs> QuickBooks I don't know how to tell it to you like Intuit I just resent them I, I do I, I, and I pay them a ton of money we use their tax software like yeah I, I, I don't know how else to say it I don't, I don't think I should go deeper but I uh, so
1: as a company as a corporation Intuit isn't somebody you want to align with I guess is, is what you're saying that's very fair okay
2: And I also think they're a genius, smart company that's been obviously very successful, and their products are are really strong. And like I said, we're using eighty to ninety percent QuickWeek's desktop, so it's it's, it works, and that's part of the reason that I we. It's a
1: tool. I always saw it as a tool.
2: As is zero, and I need and I need to remind myself of that sometimes. Yeah,
1: I. I me too. I think zero is a way of life. It's not necessarily a tool.
3: <laughs> wow. You bought the Kool-Aid zero's so a hard. Mindset. It's a way of life. Oh God. Yeah. Scott's yeah, to a, a way of oh, life. Go zero. It's a way of life. Zero and Apple. Zero is a way of life. Oh God.
1: Yeah. It is. It <laughs> is.
2: We, play, we play golf with Dave Emmerman as well, by the way. He, he
3: we need to get, uh, when we don't engage, we need, when Be- we need to tell Ben Richmond that. Zero is a way of life.
1: Dude, I just saw Ben last week. Ben is a way of life too, man. He's 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 healthy now. He's looking really good. He's got he's lost a bunch of weight. He's you know it's just he's got a good way about him too. He's he's Teddy. Are he's you going to engage? Shift.
3: Are you going to ASCP engage?
1: I'm not. Is
2: it in in Vegas there? Yeah. I haven't booked a ticket yet, but I, I that could happen. Ben Richmond actually, Scott I, and I have gone on sales calls together. So yeah. So definitely somebody who I've, I've worked with a bunch, and we yeah. got to get Ben on. So here's uh, a recommendation. I, I think we
1: can have some great conversations with him.
2: Here's He'll a re- get you some viewers. Some people will click for him. Yeah. People love him. Accountants just love him. He's
3: he's he's well a, that that New char- Zealand accent, like oh uh, sexy. Okay, here's money. He he's smart too, but he's he's not he's not crazy. Let's over call the him. Top. We we can
0: get, him, get him on, on the, the phone. line right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: we like Donald Trump. Just get him on the phone. Okay, Teddy, here's a suggestion for maybe to help. Get this change going slightly faster. You need to take one of your people, take them, send them, you can go with them or send them to one of these conferences, and let them see it. You going there actually does no good because you're already bought into zero. So that it's like you're just learning you're just you're drinking the kool-aid. you need to send. Someone who's not into Xero. Have have what, what if I
2: use my two tickets and sent my my the two
3: That would be a firm. better spend of time yeah. than you going. Not that you you going is more for networking and meeting other Zero firm owners and stuff. But for them, like the actual seeing Zero and how it works and learning other people, I think that could get some buy in. I like I like your thinking. Engage is also a great conference because they have, like, 200 vendors there, and there's always, like, new stuff that you've never heard of. Like, that's where we actually found out about Zero and Gusto and all stuff 10 years ago when they were first starting out. So I, that's why I go to Engage, like, just the vendor space. Like, the CP stuff, I'm just, I'm like, Scott, don't do that. But the vendor stuff is amazing.
1: Well, <laughs> we were talking about the mindset shift of buying up firms is there another acquisition on the horizon are you waiting for the right opportunity because i don't think you're done with this one yet i think like to be honest i think you want to set the foundation to the model of what you how you want to grow you're going to have a fragmented system if you buy another firm or you could buy a firm that's cloud based and then start using that as the model to transition your current firm I don't know. I'm just spitballing there. I feel
2: like this whole episode is a big sales pitch from Scott trying to sell me his firm so that he can go join the zero. <laughs> it's really the zero not. Team.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm actually kind of happy with my firm at the po- at the moment because I'm making money. Like when I wasn't making money last year, I was like, f- "What the f- is this even worth it?" But yeah.
2: So last year you would have sold to me.
3: Oh hell! Last year sold. there was it was a lot lower price. <laughs> just just wait three months. Yeah.
1: <laughs> three million is my price right now.
2: After tax season, people don't need their accountant anymore. So then, you know, exactly. I'll talk to them in the fall. (laughs) You've
3: got a whole... Well, you didn't answer the question.
2: In the short term, there is no opportunity that I am currently pursuing, but I will continue to look at listings. And if I see great metrics, I'll probably follow up with people, especially if they're in the Raleigh area or somewhere closer to Boston, where I have family and other... But I, you know, like I said, I'm I'm open-minded and uh, I want to continue to keep my options open. But I, my full focus this summer is is continuing to build more process within our onboarding and and make that more consistent, So our sales process and our, our onboarding process. So I was gonna actually at the end of this episode try to let Scott help. I wanted to shadow him through his sales process and take notes.
3: So oh, uh, his sales I process ended. is talk to the, talk it, to them, send a proposal one month later. Never follow up, and sometimes it'll work out. Is that pretty accurate? Uh, Right. I mean,
1: I have a so so. I have about a ten percent close rate, and when we need to close business, it's like a seventy or eighty percent. It's just very passive until it's it's active again. I mean, anything I can do, I can do it if I try. If I put my mind to it, and if I make an effort. But not making an effort, it's really just catching the low-hanging fruit and then picking the right clients, too. So, yeah, my sales process is very casual. (laughs) I I think I take more of a Tim Donahue approach than anything else. Shout out to Tim at Carbon. I like his style. He's very laid back about it. And if they happen to come and and want the product, then they do. If they happen to come and want to work with us, then we'll take them on. But we're not going to, you know, our sales process is is very much driven by the client and their needs, and then I would say it's it's almost a, a heavily processed, reactive sales system. So Ackerman uses the exact same type form I do. So I
3: don't know why he's on my Dis-
2: disqualifying process. bad leads is very yeah. important part. Yeah, um, that
3: that is that is the biggest of, part. Yeah. That's, a, that's been you spend so much time on.
1: I mean, you, after you that, Ackerman, I'll be honest, after they fill out the type form and you find that they're a qualified lead, it doesn't take that much effort to close them because they've already spent 10 minutes filling that out and they want to meet with me. So I'm sure the same thing happens with you, you know, to a large degree. We've sold them on the front end anyway. So it's, it's really just, you know, kind of taking orders.
3: Yeah. Scott does have a great type form, which I 98% copied. So go to his website and like fill it out for yourself and then that'll confuse him because he'll get all these new leads and he won't know what's going on so if i put that i have a high budget for
2: my accounting fees then he'll reach back out quickly actually it's all automated yeah the
3: best the best thing is like yeah if you're gonna if get it's it, like too depending low depending
1: on your answers it's yeah. automated you get my calendly that's that That's right the now we're on a wait thing. list
3: though Right
1: now, we're not taking on any clients. Five k a month. A, you jump to the front of the line, though.
3: I love. I no, love. Even if wait, it's, wait, go back yeah. to that. I love a wait list. Like make it exclusive to join your. I like them. So how how do <laughs> it's you? It's increased do that? demand. Wait, how do you? So we have talk about this. We have
1: interest in this. Oh yeah. So we just changed the type form to not giving them a um Calendly appointment, but it creates a wait list, and and that creates more desire too. Actually, we did this as a wait, reaction. Wait, wait. What does to, it
3: mean by wait list? Like they did. They get an email that says you're on the waitlist. We'll reach back out to you, and we're taking new clients.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
3: So, and then how and do you re- when do you reach out to them? Is it like is it an actual waitlist, or like you lose a client? It is an actual like-
1: waitlist. So we, but we're deciding who is worth looking at and keeping on the waitlist, and others. We're just on a waitlist for new clients. We're looking for the clients that are the right fit. We'll get back to you. Um, so it's
3: kind of just a way for them. They can't. Straight up schedule on your calendar now. They go on a wait list. Pretty much. And you basically yeah. then will look at them and say, this person looks good. This person doesn't. I'm going to reach.
1: So I've them. been traveling. Yeah, I've been traveling for three weeks already. And we had somebody leave post-tax season. And we're just working on staffing and hiring. And right now, everybody's kind of at capacity. So it's not like I'm going to keep adding clients when we can't really handle it. So that's going to be a show everybody's got different reasons why they're losing staff and this is going into the capacity topic and questions. Teddy, how do you, have you hired anybody since you've started this endeavor?
2: No, but we're doing capacity planning right now and trying to define what the ideal workload is each month so that we can work backwards on when we need to hire. So that is something that we're going, an exercise we're going through currently
3: actually.
1: Ackerman, how are you guys handling capacity? You've had some issues with interns lately.
3: We've had some – see, that's how we hire – how we figure out the capacity is we bring down a bunch of interns. And if they don't work out, you get rid of the interns so they're not – you haven't spent a lot of – Is that your
1: current pipeline? Have you hired anybody that has has been working in the industry, not an intern?
3: Uh, it's been a few years.
1: So you have we created would, a pipeline. We would
3: if we if – we, every once in a while we'll find – Someone will go on our website and fill out their resume, and I like it, and we'll do that. But we like to do the pipeline internal. if Smart. possible. Yeah, and then, it takes time. That really
1: takes time to build up that base, because otherwise you get in the cycle of I need somebody, I need to hire somebody with experience because I need them. Yeah, to take exactly. On clients, it,
3: so. I mean, it's like yeah, th- these are we're starting. So at my the mindset level. right
1: now is yeah, this is this is it for me. Like I've been, I'd love. Your, you know, intern idea, we live near, like, Teddy and I live near a lot of high-caliber universities with the high-caliber students. I can just keep the wait list, not take on a ton of new clients, and not hire somebody at that mid-to-top level. And we'll get some interns in and try to start figuring out our pipeline over the years. And then eventually, you know, continue to just
3: do that. And it obviously, like, hurts if you've got 10 people and you lose one. That hurts a lot more than if you have thirty people and you lose one, so there's like a sweet spot, and I haven't quite figured it out like I think there's a sweet spot between twenty and thirty people where that's like an ideal size for us because then you're you're big enough where like if something happens, you can still transition, but you're not too big where it just becomes a complete mosh mess, so it's it's definitely harder and it it allows us time to like. Take a longer view of when you hire an intern it's basically a five year process until they can like do work up to caliber that you want by themselves well, that's
1: the pipeline, yeah, so we have we have um, outsourced employees now we have two fully outsourced employees, so I think our production level work now like we're we're very middle heavy like everybody else's CPAs that are now managing accounts, we just promoted our lowest level staff accountant.
3: Bill well, heavy me. is ideal. I mean, that's if you, if you can have that, that's amazing. That's what most that's people cool. want because as more stuff has been automated, the lower level tasks are basically automated. So you need the people that can actually like do and know what's going on and like, but that's the hardest area. Well, interface with buy. clients.
1: You need somebody that can interface and interact with clients yeah. and take the meetings. And see things at a higher level across their book of business, so to speak, or POD. Those
3: people are very hard to find. Like, you can't, those are the hardest people to find.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, that's why I'm uh, very grateful for what I have now and and the people I've got. But it's always that bottleneck of, of middle and hiring and capacity. That's, that's. Maybe you
3: should hire a head of
1: HR. Yeah. Well.
3: People advisory, just did you do the advisory accelerator, you'll, you'll be making millions of dollars in five minutes once you do it. <laughs> okay, Teddy, tell us, so you, you've gone through all this process, give us a piece of advice for someone who's maybe was you two years ago and is looking to buy a firm or expand or do whatever. The most important thing is to trust the person that you're getting
2: into business with, but I also think you gotta you gotta look at those metrics and how much work is that owner doing. Those are some of the things you gotta think about and consider. And are you gonna be doing that same amount or is it gonna be different and just trying to yeah, the it never goes to plan. So the more you plan and continue to reiterate fast, the better it'll go. That's excellent. Feedback loops
1: feedback loops, keep them tight, Feed. keep them closed
2: <laughs> over communicate <laughs> communicate, communicate, communicate I think
3: we need like Scott now talks in, like rhythm rhymes because he's a rapper now but I'm not a rapper, we need to like all these things, we need a website for him, Scott we need on
1: the, everything you Scott's wisdom, oh uh, we're already working on that I just I just started working with um. Sto- our no, no. new marketing, no no, Scott
3: Sage Scott Sage advice
1: yeah, well, we just had somebody from Sage John yesterday, uh, James Ashford from Go Proposal, a uh, an Scott and Nicole episode actually. It was pretty good. He does a lot of that stuff. They have marketing manager and, and he has his own platform of of like videos and stuff. He's got a pretty big following. He speaks in soliloquies. He's very eloquent. He's re- written a couple books, but James Ashford, shout out to James Ashford at Sage Go Proposal. The, um, could be a sponsor all that stuff the marketing stuff yeah eventually marketing um, I've got my cuñada my sister-in-law has set up Instagram account and she's setting up all the social accounts for accounting high we're going full out full force rebrand website everything Sons of CPAs doesn't even have a website I've been trying to get Ackerman to do that for a year now and he's not doing it so it's porting over to a new brand we're going we're going all out accounting, accounting high, high baby we are all students at Accounting High. We're all learning. <laughs> we're the next generation of accountants still. It's still the next generation. We're just graduating we're just, middle school, you, grammar no, school, no, going to you high just school. I
3: say, we were the sons of CPAs. Now we've done a rebrand and we're Accounting High. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Teddy, we're going to. Play. It's
1: going to be Accounting You in a few years. That's my team. What do you guys like better, Accounting High or Accounting You?
3: Accounting high is pretty. Yeah, accounting mild, high because my, you smo- you smoked so much weed that it can't not be accounting high.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I but think, I got a lot of up at some point. A lot, no, nah, but a lot of accountants, young accountants, smoke weed. You want that whole crowd to to. Listen We're
3: at to your the edge
1: cast. of the change curve. If you're talking about weed and accounting, Don't there is a scared. small yeah. Yeah. subset are, of accountants that are okay with that. Yeah. Lean into it. I can lean into it for sure. The, old, and I, the and older I have
2: generations aren't listening to the podcast anyway. You're you're trying to speak to the twenty to the twenty, next 20 to forty. You got it. Exactly.
1: I think accounting U is a little bit more prestigious and established, and I think could be no, a subset of the stupid. brand. I would
2: never click on that. Yeah, exactly. So, thank so this you. is so interesting. Okay, no, 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 no.
1: I had all of my team on yesterday, and they are strongly in favor of accounting U. They like my operations yeah, manager. Yeah, guess what? They're not firm
3: owners. They're not your demographic. So
1: exactly, exactly. So, so, so accounting U is averse. a sub-brand. Yeah. It's, they, a it's a subset.
3: It's a matter of risk tolerance. So we're gonna
1: we're gonna eventually have CPA study courses and and different educational material, and that's going to be also, in Accounting You. The so the
3: accounting high, like, when we make the movie, like, who's going to play you? <laughs> like, I, th- I, I think it's... Who's gonna I play? thought it was going to oh, be animated. His bit Moji. Animated. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, animated. No, no, no. Hold on. Steve Buscemi, 100% playing you.
1: Steve Buscemi's too old.
3: They posted the next round for the tournament. Donnie, shut the f- When do we play? This Saturday. Well, they, they can do stuff. To make you look younger. Seth
1: Rogen. I could do Seth Rogen, right?
3: Was that a fart?
1: Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe not. I, Steve Buscemi.
3: I just think... Where did that come from?
1: he's. I love Steve Buscemi. He's I love like, him.
3: I think you have like... You, you don't really look like him, but you kind of look like him. He's like... You bring you know, these like 90s actors into the actor's mix He's an actor. Here. Like, what is this? I think Christopher Walken looked like me he still alive talking to my guy all
1: wrong. It's wrong tone. I mean, if we're gonna go actors, actors, I want Edward Norton, he's my Cheek actor. Oh, like wow!
3: Well, no, no, <laughs> that, that would be Teddy. Fine. Teddy kind of looks like Edward Norton. I can see that. <sighs> that would have right. we're I've not good. Teddy's way better, good looking than us. Is that
1: why you
2: said <laughs> Scott Steve does have timing? a good yeah. bitmoji? I'm a big fan of your bitmoji on the uh. <laughs> On
1: the sons of CPA, little uh, oh yeah. Well, that's still going to be the accounting high. It's going to be the same. Um, it's,
2: it's strong. I you just have to say it's, it's,
1: it's evolving. To be, it's growing.
2: To be
3: serious, it's maturing. Scott has done way more work than me on this. It has been amazing and deserves all of the credit. I deserve very little credit, oh. other than I have to listen to him a lot. So uh, now Scott we have also s- has <laughs> the real
2: the real radio voice over there. <laughs> He's got the late night DJ
3: voice, which is
1: well, it is, is, the, is fun for all the show
3: today. All right. true. So, so okay. I should
1: start asking you guys questions So <laughs> I, I knew nothing about this world In the beginning I've go. I mean, You did kind of so, no, no, keep no. me aligned and Are, you, me are out. you
2: trying to buy some firms
1: this year Or what's your no, plan on that He will never buy a firm
3: just, I wouldn't say never But that's just not how I want to grow How about you Scott
1: Oh, Oh I don't think I would buy a firm But I've always been against grow by acquisition I've always been natural growth And regular progression because it's cheaper I don't like to pay for stuff, dude. I am—I don't even like to pay <laughs> for things. <golf>. We know. <laughs> I don't like to pay for things, so you know, to me, I've—I've I've never seen that as a—and honestly, I did acquire my firm, so to speak. Like I did buy it from the prior owner, so there's there's that. But I don't think that's the way. I never really did it outside of that. Like we grew naturally right it was ninety thousand dollar firm
3: yeah i think like the way but like for you it made total sense like it's very hard to just start from nothing so buying a firm is a good way to get in the door and get business and grow oh for teddy yeah for sure
1: but for for you teddy like it's it's it does kind of make sense since you've got you've got the mindset because it doesn't it's not for everybody an acquisition is definitely not for everybody and and growing slowly is not for everybody either.
3: Acquisitions are hard because, I mean, you just acquired, you went from nothing. Like you try to merge two firms with different cultures. It gets very hard and complicated as you go.
1: Who
2: were those two firms out West who merged recently?
1: There was one, there was, I mean, there's some big, big mergers. There's also Summit CPA wasn't a merger. They... They got acquired by a traditionally larger firm a regional firm in st louis summit cpa i forgot anderson i think was the name of the firm that they got acquired by and then you had kenji and um, matt at acuity okay. kenji a- and matt. merging or kind of merging with catching clouds but catching clouds this was an up move for them so they merged into acuity so it's the brand is still acuity but it was an equity deal and now they have you know multiple people at the round table and I think that's kind of what I'm looking for too, because it's time for me to evolve as a person and I can't do it alone. So I'm, I'm ready to have partners.
2: What's the skill set that you're seeking in another partner, Scott?
1: It's a good question. So I'm looking at somebody that aligns with vision, but I am very much a visionary. I don't have any of those integrator characteristics. I can't take things beyond you know, sometimes I can get things to the 50-yard line, but usually I get them, you know, just to the 20, and then somebody else could take it the rest of the way there. This podcast, he's a, he's I took the, took the goal line.
3: He punts the ball. Yeah,
1: I took the podcast. No, I'm the it's returner, somebody. and I was the returner when I played football. I was the return, but I, I but you don't normally think take I had a any knee. return. You take
3: a knee in the end zone and just... I
1: never took a rid, knee. I never took a knee.
3: <laughs> Teddy, this has been amazing. We'll today. play golf soon. Before we go, Teddy, where can we follow you if someone wants to follow you on LinkedIn or Twitter or wherever.
2: I am on LinkedIn as Teddy Sullivan. I work for Human Resource Partners in Raleigh, North Carolina. Google me, search me.
3: And if you Human have any resource partners.com, HRP. Is our website. And if you uh, want to artists. complain about Zero, just send him an email too. He'll pass it up. <laughs> I will forward that right on along <laughs> to an old friend. That's what I'll do with that
2: email.
1: Shout out to Zero's. This a brand has been
3: good. Too. I feel like Teddy this can. fun. They could be a third wheel with us. We should just he's good.
1: Chop it up. The first
3: week.
2: episode of Accounting High, you have to be smoking a blunt like Joe Rogan and or Elon Musk. I mean, all the big boys do
3: it. You, you know, know. What? The sure. first one for Accounting High, I will come up and smoke with you.
2: Oh wow,
1: really?
3: I'm not gonna, me gonna actually like I'll do not do it in fake. North
2: Carolina. It's illegal here. Do I'll it in contact. a state where it's legal. Do it in a state where it's legal.
1: Dave Leary said that eventually people will want to fly out and do interviews with me in person. He says I have a very engaging way about me that i can get anybody to talk about anything and let their guard down and and let their hair down um you're like
2: oprah of the accounting podcasting (laughs) oh my god the
3: oprah of accounting (laughs) put that on the put that on accounting high that needs that needs to go on the t-shirt i
1: I don't know there's it's got a ring to it yeah the the big o okay oprah
3: (laughs) will play you in the movie too done she said I love do it. That.
1: I love it. Can you be Viola Davis? I don't then? think you can afford. Oprah. If, if I'm Oprah, <laughs> can you be Viola Davis?
3: I would love to be Viola Davis. All right, and I got to bounce. Can be you. Teddy, it's been Have a fun pleasure playing with you.
2: Yes, talk soon. Have a good one.